Hello and welcome to the Youth Football Podcast by Youth Football Scotland, brand new Youth Football Podcast, bringing you all the latest news from the youth football environment. Plenty of discussion with special guests from across the grassroots game and beyond. I'll be your host, Adam Murray, joined every week by my glamorous assistant, Robbie McDonald, who luckily enough for you audio listeners is not in vision. Robbie, how much of a privilege is it for you to be working with me again? Absolutely delighted. Pleasure as always, Adam. We've worked together in the past on many occasions, so it's good to start our podcast together now. Yeah, unfortunately, I think all of our listeners have lost us already. They've heard Robbie's terrible Highland accent and have decided to switch off. Unfortunately, you're going to have to put up with that, a concoction of Inverness with a little bit of Edinburgh twang from his, his youth back in there. Um Parallel that to the, the terrible Falkirk slash Glasgow accent of, of my upbringing, it doesn't make for a good listening on a podcast. Regardless, the content is all that matters. We'll be bringing you the best and the latest youth football news from across Scotland and beyond every single Wednesday. So get it in the diary. Wednesdays, make sure you got it free, whether you're going to bed, whether you're going on the way to work, on the way to training, on the way to school. Get the AirPods in and get listening to myself and Robbie and all of our special guests every week. Robbie, are you buzzing? Oh, absolutely. Can't wait to get it started. Tell you what, something I'm not buzzing about, Robbie. Did you see on Twitter today? Yeah, I was saying you got a lot, you were getting a wee stick off the, was it the Livingston Football Club? Livingston have come for me. Livingston have come for me. Um, I was lucky enough to be invited to uh, down to the Tony Macaroni Arena recently to. Um, do a little documentary with David Martindale. Um, and at the end of training, David Martindale was like, oh, go and get the boots on, Adam. Because I'd been at him all day saying, like, oh, I'm better than you, blah, blah, blah. Give me a chance, give me a chance. So I got my big opportunity, Robbie, to play in front of the Livingston first team doing a shooting challenge. They're all lined up on the halfway line. You've got Dylan Bahambula there, you've got Stephen Kelly there, Bruce Anderson, all the big hitters from Livy. All you need to do is dribble through five cones and score. Went through one, went through two. On the third cone, Robbie, you've seen it. What happened? You stamped your foot on the cone and could not get it off. Couldn't get it off. Shaking about David Martindale slaughtering me. Peter Martin, broadcaster and commentator, slaughtering me while this is happening. And to make it even worse, the Livingston players are in hysterics on the halfway line. Now, this happened a few weeks ago, Robbie. I thought I was over it until today. Met with a barrage um, of abuse from awful footballing abilities um, and none other than Robbie, the official Livingston Twitter account this afternoon, coming for me. Do you know what they said? I can't quite. Could you want to remind me? They, they said that I, I did a good job of collecting in the cones at the end. That was my yeah. contribution to that club. What was, the, was there a nickname that Martindale was giving you the rest of the day as well? Um, there was a few being, being banded about. Cone Boy was one of them. Um, uh, Brilliant. Jao Concello was another one um, that I've, I've heard some Livingston fans giving me today. But listen, less of that. No one wants to hear about my, my, my feelings. Let's let's talk about some uh, uh, some fantastic news in Scottish football. Rob, have you settled down from that game at Scotland-Spain a few weeks ago? I think I'm only just coming down from the highs. I think, to be honest, that's probably the best the best performance I've seen in person. I know you were there yourself, Adam. I think. Yeah, that's like... I know at, at 21 years of age, we don't have many years between us, uh, Robbie. Don't have many years of experience, but for, for, for those our age or younger or, or similar, that's got to be up there with one of the most 
historic moments in Scottish contemporary football history. It was just, like to see that, and do you know what, Robbie? It was a battering. It was an absolute battering. I thought we hundred percent deserved to win the game, and uh, made the Spaniards look silly. I know. I quite, I quite liked how we clearly bullied bullied them into a substitution at halftime, <laughs> taking <laughs> taking off the right back who had had a barrage of abuse throughout the game, but. McTominay's McTominay's the man we need to talk about. Unbelievable two finishes from him, especially the second. Yeah, he's a beautiful man, Scott McTominay, but just as beautiful as um as that new kit, the hundred and fiftieth anniversary kit. Did you get your hands on one? Yeah, I'm not gonna lie, I, I caved. I went. I was walking <laughs> down. Ninety quid. Well, no, Scott was supporters club, so we got fifteen percent off. So just a just a small sum of seventy six for me. But I was walking walking past our guy because obviously it sold out straight away. Like I tried to get it the day it came out and it was gone. Couldn't get it anywhere. I was Robbie. walking down past our street just last week, I think it was last last Thursday or Friday. And saw in the window there was just a few of them on the rack. I was like, I better I better check. Just had a look extra small, extra small, and right at the back was the one kit in my size. I couldn't I couldn't pass up the opportunity. Seventy six quid. You're a student, Robbie. I haven't eaten since. But, <laughs> it's, it's, but at least I'm looking good, eh? Yeah, it's, it's, absolutely, it's absolutely one to flex at the at the five of sides. Um, absolutely. Robbie, of course, your beloved Ross County got a massive one at the weekend as well. I'm sure you'd be delighted to be there. Been up in Dingwall lately? Yeah, well, I was at, the game game was in Perth rather than Dingwall, so I was through, through for the, in the away end this week. And to be honest, say, like I mean, St Johnston were pretty awful, but it's a it's a performance that gives us hope. Eamon Brophy getting injured early on, it seemed like a bit of a disaster. But Simon Murray coming off the bench, I think it's his first goal for County. Just no second goal for County, sorry, but a brilliant running behind, fantastic finish. And I think that overall we look pretty good. Like I think obviously United getting that result against Hibs. Puts a bit of a blow to it, but I think in the end, I think we will be okay. Right, less of Robbie's propaganda and and nonsense that he's, he's talking about, and into what really is is the crux of the of the podcast today. We're going to be discussing the best under twenty ones players in the league, as well as bringing. We've got two special guests that I've, I've got to introduce as well, and um, we'll be hearing from our um, YFS reporter Angus Blackhawk. He is a fountain of knowledge in the youth football game, so cannot wait to be speaking to Angus, as well as Daniel Shields from Transworld Soccer. Later on in the programme, we'll be speaking to Daniel about the upcoming Caledonia Super Cup, which takes place this weekend. I've been there, Robbie's been there, and what an event it is. Can't wait to hear from Daniel, because I'll be there this week, this weekend. So, Robbie, another fantastic festival weekend of football at the Orium to look forward to. So we'll get into our first topic and I would like to bring in our first guest, Angus Blackwell, our special YFS reporter, Waterman, here to join us. Angus, best under-21s player in Scotland this season. Name him, go. Uh, for me, I'm going to be biased because I've seen him play quite a few times in flesh. I think it has to be Ethan Laidlaw. There's, there's an element of uh, of bias running through this Um this podcast already. We talked about Ross County's bias with with Robbie, and you're going to go with reporter bias now, Angus. Simply just because you've seen this man play, that makes him better than everyone else. No, it does not. But uh, I have seen. He's obviously been great, great when I've seen him play. Key to Hibs, yeah, for youth league journey, and 
almost a historic night against Borussia Dortmund. Obviously, winning goal against Nantes as well as winning the penalty. So he's he's been keying that. So uh, I'm going with him. Robbie, I'm sure you'll disagree because as we were talking about biases, there's been one man at the heart of the Ross County defence as of late, Dylan Smith, born in 2006, a 16-year-old. That makes me feel incredibly old. He's actually still old enough to be playing youth football. I know he's been playing for the very successful Scotland 17s team at the moment. Robbie, just how important has he been to Ross County as of late? And why do you think he might be the best under-21s player in Scotland this season? Yeah, when a player when a player born in two thousand and six is getting into the first team, it's when when I start to realise that the dream of me donning the Global Energy Stadium pitch may be coming to an end. But I'm happy for a player of that to take my place. And well, Jack Baldwin, our captain, got a red card, third red card of the season. So three game suspension. We were looking like we could have a bit of a disaster at the back, but. This 16-year-old Dylan Smith slot has slotted in brilliantly. He was against St. Johnston. He was actually, to be to be honest, probably the best defender we had. He was like throwing himself in front of everything. Looked pretty calm and composed on the ball. He looked like I don't know. He just looks. He looks so mature for his age. I think that could be that could be someone that if a big team doesn't come in for it, he could be a player who gets more regular game time in the coming seasons. Yeah, what an inspiration for. Our, our younger listeners, there'll be a lot of people listening to this who are the same age as Dylan, thinking, wow, what he's doing at that age. I, I was doing a bit of reading about him, actually, just, just before this, and um, heard that in the summer, just before he signed his two-year apprentice apprenticeship contract with, with Ross County, he'd actually started fifth year at school. He'd picked all his subjects, ready to go and do his hires, and then the call comes from Malky McKay saying, oh, son, put the books down. You're coming to play for County Angus. What would be going through your head if you were a fifth-year student at school and someone comes to you and says, come and play professional football in the Scottish Premiership? Listen, I know what I would be doing. I'd be telling everyone. It'd be all over the stories. It'd be all over the Instagram. But making sure everybody knows that I'm the best person of all time. But listen, that's why I'm a terrible human and that's why I'm not a footballer. Angus, how would you react? I'd be somewhere to you. I'd, I'd be telling everyone that I knew. Uh, I'd be so excited playing alongside some great players and get some great experience but look I think that's the thing about him isn't he's not like that he's no he's no plastering all over social media or bragging to his friends he's beat her on the ground and he's wait he's wait patiently for his chance and obviously he's got his chance now through suspensions from other players but uh, no he's, de- he's definitely taking it with both yeah definitely. Robbie just how important is is it that he's playing against like playing first team football and playing against such experienced players he made his debut at Ibrox last weekend he played against Kyogo Furuhashi and then, sorry, that was just before that. This weekend, he, he played against Stevie May, an ex- experienced striker. And these these forwards offer up such different propositions every time they're, they're playing. But it seems like he's just taken everything in his stride just now. Yeah, it's ridiculous. I think that, obviously, playing he'll be playing in the county youth team. He'll be playing against the Celtics, the Rangers. He'll be playing some of the best youth players in the country, but... There's absolutely nothing that gives you more experience than coming up against like seasoned pros who, you know, they're making the runs, they're making the the passes and the plays that he's going to have to deal with for the rest of his career. So getting started at that level as young as possible, it can only be good for him. And I think that hopefully the more the more times he plays in the first team, he can, becomes more settled and used to that used to that level. And I think that can be 
he could be a real key player going forward. Right, someone I, I want to talk about. You've both put forward your favourites, but this is the man I'm most excited about because I feel like sometimes you're not even allowed to say his name without everyone bricking it and saying, oh, it's too early, it's too early, it's too early. But Ben Doak, get that man in the Scotland squad. Come on. 17, I, I know at the most recent camp, he was he was out of con- concussion, so he wasn't available for selection for, for, for any of the teams. But 17 years old, he's playing for Liverpool, he's a winger. I know he's only had five games for the first team, right? Two Premier League appearances. But we'd taken a, a Nathan Patterson to the to the most recent Euros, who'd only played a handful of times in the Rangers' first team. If, if, if we want to try and bed in these youngsters into a group of players who could potentially play for us at, at, at the Euros next summer with a, another year under his games, Ben Doak has to be in with a shout. Angus, talk to me about this man. Of course, played in that... Celtic League Cup final last season got a winner's medal and then got his move to to Liverpool. He just looks like the the sky's the limit. How how far can he go? I think I think he can go very far in the game. He's already at one of the best clubs in Europe, training with some of the best players in Europe under arguably one of the best managers in Europe at the moment and that's only going to help him at the moment. Obviously he scored four goals in eight UEFA Youth League games. His goal against Rangers was a joke. The solo the solo goal at uh, Fur Hill earlier in the season. And obviously he's got his chance on the first team recently and he's he's done well down. But uh, no, he's definitely sky's the limit. Robbie, Liverpool having a bit of a stinker at the minute in the, the Premier League. You know, they, they, they got a well-earned draw against Arsenal. Probably should have went on and and won the game just at the weekend there, but with uh, do, you, do you think someone like Ben Doak has the ability to dislodge a Mo Salah from the Liverpool team given <laughs> their current form? Well, I mean, that's it. I think the difference when you're in a Ross County youth team and a Liverpool youth team is the standard of players that you have to dislodge. Why, why are you bringing Ross County in it? I just I can't get enough of them, I can't get enough <laughs> of the ones, man. But I think I do think that, yeah, it's, it's coming. As a young 17-year-old, I think it will be a struggle to get any kind of regular minutes. But the fact that he's competing with players like Mo Salah just shows how how good this boy is, that he's been able to get five games in the first team, two Premier League appearances at such a young age. It's just It can only be good for Scottish football, I think, as you were saying, with the Scotland national team. I do think that if you could get him in and around the squad, get him in with some of the players, that hopefully could develop him into an international player sooner rather than later. But we'll have to wait and see what Steve Clark comes up with. Yeah, I was speaking... I'm going to name drop here. Okay. Listeners, here get ready for this, because I, I, I always do this. Love, love to flex. I was speaking to Kenny Dalglish about Ben Doak. Boom, there you go. There's there, there's that. He suggests that um, we've not to put pressure on the wee man. He says it's a little bit early. Don't... Let's, let's not all... Let's not all jump on the bandwagon and say, Ben Doak for Scotland, Ben Doak for Scotland. He's a fantastic player with a bright future. Angus, do you think maybe in this country we're we're guilty of of jumping the gun too early with with the youngsters and, and and hyping them up, and then ultimately that can have an adverse effect on the career? Of course, I think sometimes you can do that, but um, just because of, of the standard that we've been used to uh, over the years for Scotland. But I think this is there's every reason to get excited about him. But I think maybe next season a long move would be, would definitely be beneficial to him getting get first team game time week after week and then maybe you might start seeing them in the Scotland frame. Anyone else get any other shouts? Must be must be a few lads. Come on. Who's got a shout? I mean, I'm 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 leaning towards Dylan Reid, St Mirren. Well, not St Mirren anymore now with Crystal Palace, but 
I, I remember him making his um, his debut against against Rangers uh, just six days after his sixteenth birthday. Um, what what a player he looks to be. He's just signed for Chris Palace in the summer. There was a bit of a, a delayed deal, three and a half year deal. Um, but it took a bit of a delay to, to get on to that. Um, Robbie, I'm sure you'll have seen Dylan Reid play before in, in the middle of the park for someone. He looks like one that could be could have a bright future as well. Yeah, incredible. Their youngest ever player. I believe that they signed a what, like three and a half years, fairly long-term deal, but I think Saitman could be in for some significant add-on fees should he develop into the players that we think he has but it can only be good for, it can only be good for Scottish talent going down to the English Premier League and playing in these like multi multi-million pound academies that can all the best coaches the best facilities hopefully that'll be just do all the world for his good for his development yeah Angus it might be a while before we see Dylan Reid in the in the Crystal Palace first team I remember a few years ago Scott Banks going down there from Dundee United for a, a million pounds he's still at Crystal Palace doing really well on loan at, at Bradford City just now so he's another one that hopefully we'll see um, I think he's just maybe had his 21st birthday hence why he's, he's, he's not included in, in this but uh, do you think Dylan Reid eventually will have what it takes to play in the Premier League for Crystal Palace? I think one day, possibly, yeah. I mean, he's already played in the Scottish Premier League coming on against Rangers. But uh, no, he's definitely got talent and if he keeps working hard, keeps his feet on the ground, training with, him, training with some good players in the Palace setup. I think one day we could definitely see him in the first team. Right, lads, we, we spoke about Ben Doak and whether or not he should be in the Scotland squad at 17. But our boy Pedro over at the women's national team is not scared to throw the youngsters at, right? I know that there are, there are some brilliant players playing for the, the Scottish women's national team just now, but some of some of our stars are maybe ageing. Same can't be said for Emma Watson at Rangers. Oh, my God. 17 years of age, called up to the Scotland squad. Came off the bench, scored a late equaliser against Benfica in the Champions League at 16. Now, Emma Watson, Robbie, she looks to be the real deal. Yeah, can't believe a player of that age playing... Making her debut for Scotland just just at the weekend against Australia in a win as well. So it wasn't it wasn't like a game where you're getting hammered and you just chuck a youth player on. She came on tight game, played well for the Scotland women's teams, and I think she will be a very very exciting pros- prospect for the future. Yeah, but but the time this goes out, Emma will have already have, have played the match for Scotland against Costa Rica at Hamden. So unfortunately, we aren't able to to, to update you on on how that goes, but. I've absolutely no doubt that that the Emma will, will go and do the business, and you never know, maybe maybe a little goal as well. Um, on a similar note, at Glasgow City, Sophia Martin, um, sixteen-year-old striker, is actually I think is she the youngest ever female pro, Robbie? Is that is that right? That's that's incredible. Yeah, it's remarkable. Three-year contracts getting well rewarded for her efforts. Glasgow City, of course, flying high at the top of the Scottish Women's Premier League. I believe they've won the most Women's Premier Leagues with 15. So I think that that's obviously, as a young women's footballer, that is the club that you want to be at. And just after her 16th birthday, it's an incredible achievement for Martin. Yeah. Angus, I mean, six, 16 years old, signing a, a pro football contract. Surely at school, Sophia is the real deal. Walking around, strutting her stuff, thinking everyone else, hey, listen, you are nothing. I am the real deal here. Come on, Sophia Martin, remember the name. Definitely. 
16 years old and already a professional footballer. It's it's stuff that you dream of. I think she scored her first goal for the club in the Sky Sports Scottish Women's Prem at the Cup quarterfinal against Glasgow in the, uh, Glasgow Women in October, which uh, as a, a 16 year old is amazing. And I think, yeah, she's definitely strutting around the school. Yeah, um, one competition that I believe both of the players have just spoke about, Watson and Martin, have played in is the, the Bob Doherty Cup. It's coming up again very soon, contested by under-15s national teams. It's kind of like the, the old home nations for, for our older viewers that will remember that, uh, contested by Wales, England, Scotland, Republic of Ireland, Northern Ireland. They usually get a little guest team joining as well. So Scotland ended a seven-year drought of not winning the Bob Doherty Cup in Port Glasgow last week when they won the Home Nations Cup. Jessica Husband, top scorer of Hearts, Angus, I'm sure you'll be a big fan of that. Uh, captain by her sister Erin, also of Hearts. Angus, we are the, the men's first team at Hearts just now, having a, having a bit of a stinker. It looks as though the, the under-15s age group of girls are, are, are carrying Scotland. Definitely. Uh, I think club, club football at the moment is a bit overrated. It's all about internationals. But um, no, Scotland dead in a seven-year drought is amazing. Uh, Jessica Husband getting brace against Northern Ireland and scoring the winner against England. Not many Scotland players can say that in their time, can they? But uh, no, she was definitely the star of the show in the Bob Doherty Cup. Robbie, I know there is something about this you're absolutely going to want to address. Final game. We, we, we beat England. Just how pleasing is that to see at any level? Yeah, I think we've seen at every age group we saw a bit of needle in the centenary, the centenary shield with the, the Scottish schoolboys last week there's always that rivalry with the old enemy I think when you come when you come on top of them at any level it's just big it's massive for the country England's a far bigger country they've got a far bigger pool of players to choose from but not good enough to beat Scotland anyway yeah, something we've got to address as well. It looks like the, the Steve Clark effect of strong defensive displays is is going to transcended across all of all of the teams across all age groups. Because if you look at the stats, conceded two goals in regulation play in, in, in the whole competition. So that's props to, to Alex Reid and goal uh, as well, and in, in the back four that she had in front of her as well. Angus, it, it looks like not only do they have players at the top end of the pitch like Jessica Husband that can can score goals. Those like Alex Reid at the back are, are, are doing the business to keep them out. Definitely. She played a big part when uh, Scotland drew against Northern Ireland, saving a penalty to earn a bonus point for Scotland to ultimately mean that they had that winner-takes-all game against England. And she definitely played a big part in Scotland's success in the tournament. Right. I'll put you, put you guys in the spot. We've spoken about the, the Bob Docker Cup and a fantastic win for the, for the 15 girls. But the, the main topic in this section was to talk about the best under-21s players playing in Scotland just now um, I've already put mine on the table I'm going to change my answer I think Ben Doak as much as I love to get excited about him simply for the fact that Emma Watson has played for Scotland and is playing tonight I think that start tonight has ju just edged it I'm going for the best under 21s played in Scotland this season is Emma Watson Lance what do we think? It's hard to argue with I think that Oh he's gone back on his Ross County chum I wouldn't say I know I wouldn't say Dylan Smith is the best in the country, but I think best in the Highlands. We could give him that on. But yeah, that's because that's because it's only you and Dylan that live there, mate. <laughs> if there was any, but if there's there's no doubt that playing 
for your national team at 17 years old, I don't think there's much beating that from any of the men thus far. But you never know, Ben Doak in the games coming up in June, maybe he'll overtake. But right now, I think we have to give it to Emma Watson. Yes, Angus to come and tell us that he's not seen uh, Watson play this season, so that doesn't count. And only because he's he's got to watch Laidlaw in the flesh that that makes him the best player. Angus? Yeah, I'd go on then. Yeah, Emma Watson. But look, I think it's... Nah, I've done them both. Listen to that. They've both... They've both... I mean, all, all three of us Angus have gone back Angus on our is, first. Angus has done it twice. Robbie's done it once. I've got them both to change their answers. You've done it once yourself. What? You started this yeah. by going back on your bed. That, that, Robbie, Robbie, behave, 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 behave. Not having that for you. Behave. What, what, listen, listen, but before they, they try and expose me from a buffoonery, I'm going to I'm gonna move on to the to, to, to the next section, um, which, which brings us nicely. We have a, a special guest. Daniel Shields is joining us. Um, from Transworld Soccer to talk about the Caledonia Super Cup. Daniel, are you, are you back in Edinburgh yet or are you still living life out in Dubai? No, uh, not out in Dubai, still back in Edinburgh now. So very much looking forward to the Caledonia Super Cup at the weekend. Um, we are raring to go and looking forward to another good tournament. Uh, obviously our second year at this event, so we're um, we're really excited for, for the teams to arrive in o- at Orium and we're looking forward to it at the weekend. Robbie, Angus, I can't remember if you were there last year, but... I certainly was. It was a fantastic weekend. Loved going down to the to the Orium and the facilities there. At the time, it was the home of the, the Scottish national team, currently the home of Hearts, Heritwatt University, Scottish rugby. The facilities there are amazing. And Angus, you've played uh, boys club football to a much higher standard than Robbie has. That's hence why I won't ask him. Just how much of a privilege is it for these players to, to get the opportunity to play at such a, a fantastic facility? Oh, it's massive. It's such a, such a great opportunity for all the players to play in such... Great pitches and at facilities like the Orium that, like like you just listed, some top quality sporting organisations have that use and utilise. But uh, no, great opportunity for the young players to come and play on some great surfaces. Yeah, Daniel, for for our listeners that might not be aware of what the the Cal- Caledonia Super Cup is, can you just explain what you guys at Transworld Soccer do and exactly what the Caledonia Super Cup is and what people can expect from it. Yeah, Transworld Soccer is a youth football tours and tournaments company based in Edinburgh. Been going on for around 10 years now. We do a lot of work with grassroots football clubs and schools, taking them to various tournaments across the UK and Europe. And we also do a lot of work with the big football clubs in the Premier League and over in Europe um, with development tours, which take in live matches. They do stadium tours. They can challenge themselves against local teams in some friendly matches and they can train with the big clubs as well. Um, we also have three of our own football tournaments that we organise. First one being the Caledonia Super Cup, which takes place this weekend at Orium in Edinburgh. We have the UK International Cup, which is at St George's Park, which is the home of England's national teams. That's at the end of April. And we also have the Newcastle International Summer Cup, which takes place at Cochrane Park in Newcastle uh, in July. That's a pre-season event. The Caledonia Super Cup obviously takes place this weekend at Orium. It'll see under 12, under 13 and under 14 boys and under 12 and under 14 girls teams come to Edinburgh for the weekend. There are two days of football and they will get a chance to play against teams from across Scotland and further afield across the UK and the Republic of Ireland. We will have lots of opportunity to test themselves against some some different opposition and obviously it's based at Orion, which is the home of Scotland's national football and rugby team. So a really nice venue to, to play football in and hopefully inspire some of these young people to um, to put in some great performances. Yeah, Daniel, it's a, a great point you make that um, players get to play against teams and, and players that they're not used to playing against. I remember playing youth football and you, 
you're in a, in a county league or a, a regional league where you're playing against maybe the same nine or ten teams, three, four, five, six times a season. But at, at the Caledonia Super Cup, as you said, you get to play against players from all over the UK and even Ireland. Can you give us a, a little insight into some some of the teams that might be coming from outside of Scotland and, and, and where they are based? Yeah, as mentioned, we have some teams coming from across the UK and over in the Republic of Ireland this weekend, coming to Edinburgh for the tournament. We have a couple of teams from England who will be taking part in the boys' age groups, um, one associated with the West Bromwich Albion Community Foundation and another team called West End Juniors who will be taking part in our under-14 competition. They're from Yorkshire. We also have a team from Northern Ireland. Uh, Dungannon United will be playing in the U14 boys. We have Temple Oak United from just outside Dublin. And we also have a, a team of Donegal schoolboy select. So there will be two squads coming from Donegal to take part in the competition over the over the weekend. Yeah, and, and Daniel, I, I must say at the Caledonia Super Cup last year, one of the, the best parts of the event, call me bias, I thought was the, the fantastic live streaming um, of, of the event and the, 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 the brilliant media coverage. They had this really handsome guy that was presenting the show. I don't, I don't know if he's got his number, but if, if, if you would like to, like to share it, then, then send it over. Oh, that's right. That was you're, you're right. That that was me. But no. But in, in all seriousness, though, Daniel, uh, we, we we of course like to big ourselves up. But for for these young players who who aren't used to having their games streamed live and have um, player uh, reporters interviewing them after matches and stuff, it really just adds to the prestige of of the tournament and adds that little extra element where yes, you're you're playing. Um, for a prize and you're playing teams you're not playing before but there's that added pressure of these games these games are going to be watched by hundreds maybe even thousands of people back home as well i think the media coverage that is provided at these events is really important you know the, the football is the most the most important thing for us we need to make sure we get that right but we want to give the children the, the chance to feel like they're really playing at the top level um, walking in the footsteps of some of their heroes and obviously a huge part of football these days is the media coverage that comes with that so as you mentioned, the live stream matches, the interviews, the photo galleries, you know, goal of the tournament competitions, they're all really important to, to add to the event and add to the experience. Um, and as I say, I think a lot of the, a lot of the young players really get a, a lot out of being interviewed in front of a camera or being able to watch some of their games back or, or even seeing some of the good goals that they scored over the, over the course of the two days. Um, you know, the football, as I say, is the most important part of what we're doing, but the, the additional things like the media coverage that um, that we can provide are really, really important. And we find a lot of teams come away from our events saying that the media coverage that they got was, was one of the real highlights of their experience with us. Yeah, Daniel, you, you talk a lot about trying to make these players feel like they are, are up there with, with, the, with the best player in the world, getting the, the same treatment as, as professionals would, playing in the same pitches, getting media coverage. But I was there last year. And honestly, the standard of football is not far off. I remember particularly, I think it was the under-14 boys, Gillick United team. Um, wow. Some of the, I cannot remember his name for the life of me. There was a boy playing in the middle of the park for them, um, centre midfielder, and I thought, wow, he is incredible. Um, I was actually speaking to a heart scout about him. Who was, who was there? He might even be there at this. But, but Daniel, it's the standard of football show across all age groups, across boys, girls, 12s, 13s, 14s, is, uh, is, is, is certainly up there with, with some of the best I've seen in this country. Would you not agree? Yeah, I think you're right. I think the standard that we saw last year at the at the Caledonia Super Cup was really, really good. You know, we have the, the competitive age groups under 13 and under 14 boys and the under 14 girls, where there is obviously silverware to win at the end, but the, the real um, great thing for us to see is when, the, is when the football is really nice and really high standard. The under 12s, obviously, whilst being uncompetitive, 
it's still a great chance for these teams to play against different mm-hmm. different opposition and to test themselves on a really really nice stage. I think the venue itself actually lends itself really well to to playing some nice football. You know, it's a really inspiring place to go and, and to spend two days. You can just picture John McGinn and Caroline Weir and, and these top stars that, that come and train there all the time. Um, you're following in their footsteps. So I think that the young players that are coming at the weekend hopefully will be inspired to play some really nice stuff. And I think we find as well with, with it being in April at the end of a season, it's sometimes a real carrot for them to, to train really hard and to, to play well over the course of their, their league season or their domestic season. And then when it comes around in April and they do get a chance to play at Orium for the Caledonia Super Cup, it's a really good opportunity for them to to go out on a high and, and, and really build up to the, the real business end of their season um, after taking part in our event. Daniel, what's your favourite part of this event? And, and and you can't say the chip van outside because that's absolutely fantastic as well. But <laughs> besides that, what, what's, what's the best part of the Super Cup? I think my favourite part, personally, is the just the real enjoyment that you see from the kids you know it's all about making sure these people are enjoying themselves and they're playing football in a comfortable environment we've touched on the on the venue and the media coverage and things and I think for us all those things contribute to, to a really enjoyable weekend for the young players ideally for us they, they have a great weekend they really enjoy themselves and then they're inspired to to either go back to their um, their domestic leagues and train really hard and play hard or they aspire to to eventually one day come back to Orium and, and perhaps be a part of a, a professional setup or a part of the, the national squads. Um, it is, at the end of the day, it's, it's the most important thing that we do is to make sure that young people are enjoying themselves. And I think for me, when, when you finish an event and you see that people are smiling and happy and, and have had a really nice time, it makes all the hard work really worthwhile. Yeah, it, you talk about the smiles on the faces and the reactions when they do something good or, or, or score a good goal. You, you actually, it's hard to put in a word how much this actually means to the players when you get there. I think there's there's, there's something about tournaments that people always mistakenly use the word friendly tournaments because they're not affiliated to to the the league competition that they usually play in. But I, I remember being there last year and, and the celebrations when the teams win. It, it is, honestly, it is fantastic that seeing seeing grown men, forty, fifty year old men, knee sliding along along the touchline. Um, that'll be Angus in about 20 years' time. Absolutely no doubt about it. That's, that's if he can manage to coach a team that'll actually manage to win a point, never mind win a, win a, win a, a competition. But, uh, Robbie, you're going to be there this year. Uh, just how looking forward, how much are you looking forward to, to seeing the exhilaration on the players' faces when they when they win? I can't wait. These, as someone who's volunteered at YFS the last couple of years, these are some of, my, some of the highlights of the year. I think that the tournament's... Some of the ones down in the one I've been at the ones down in England as well. I just think that just the atmosphere overall. There's so many because there's so many teams there. There's so and there's so many parents and people coming along to watch. There's just such a good atmosphere around the place, and there's always it's always loud. There's always the celebrations as you talk about. There's we've got plenty memories of players singing and celebrating together, and it's just a it's just a great it's a great tournament to be a part of. Angus. I'm sure you'll have played at festivals when you were younger, and uh, everyone has. It's always always great memories. You get the the mums te- uh, pitch the tents outside. They, they, they try and get all the food organisers. Players running about everywhere. People cheering on teams that they're hoping win. People cheering on teams that's maybe not even their own team because it could have implications for the um, for their own group table and the standings. It's just a, a great atmosphere. To be involved in it, are you looking forward to once again returning to the Cali Super Cup this year? Absolutely. I think it's just a great, great vibe around the place. There's lots of happy, happy kids playing football, and it's just 
yeah, it's a great, great, great experience for just to go along and watch and spectate as well, and obviously cover some games and interview some players. But yeah, I'm really looking forward to going back this weekend. Yeah, and it's, it's different as well with with the Cali Super Cup because you, I mean, there's festivals all over the country all, all the time, but like when you have so many teams all at, at let's say world class sporting venue um, playing for a, a prestigious tournament, a prestigious competition with cameras there to, to film the matches and live streaming certain matches. You've got um, presenting throughout the day with, with live interviews, with pre-recorded interviews, man in the match trophies for every game. Angus, do you not just think that this one just feels that little bit more special? Definitely. I mean, I, I, don't, I, I can't think of many festivals that have media coverage or live streaming of matches. And I think it's something very special for these young players because they've they they probably haven't had a lot of live stream matches, if any at all. So the fact that they, they might be able to score a great goal and be able to go back and watch it later on in the day or, or make a great tackle or something like that, I think it's just a great great experience for all the players. Brilliant. Thank you very much, Daniel. Cannot wait to be returning to the Caledonia Super Cup this weekend, Saturday and Sunday. If you want to hear more about the Cali Super Cup, you can follow them on Facebook, Instagram and Twitter. And if you don't fancy watching the Edinburgh Derby, which I'm sure a lot of Hibs fans and Hearts fans, given their current form, won't want to do, then get yourself down to the Orium and watch some proper football this weekend. Anyways, lads, to finish up, um, we've got a little light-hearted section where we can get the audience involved and send us some questions. If you want to make sure your question is featured in next week's episode, you can send it to podcasts at youthfootballscotland.co.uk. That's podcasts at youthfootballscotland.co.uk. Um, and you can ask our lovely panel some questions. Robbie, the first question for yourself is, what is the best youth football game you've ever been to and why? The best youth football game I've ever been to, I would say, is the Scottish Schools Cup final at the end of last year. Is that, um, that the one that went to penalties? Yeah, it was St Ninians against Linlithgow. I think what was, to be honest... The best part about it was the atmosphere between the support. You could see the passion, the passion of the school kids in the crowd. And it was a, a late equaliser deep into injury time. Sent the games to sent the game to penalties. That was won by St. Ninians in the end. And I just think that for a sheer spectacle of passion for youth football and talent on the pitch, that would have to be the best game that I've seen. Angus, I'll put the same question to you. What's the best you've ever seen? Mine would have been a couple of years ago. It would have been Leith Athletic v Ox Gangs. Um, a great game to cover. It had everything. It had penalty. It had a penalty sending off. Uh, a really good experience for me covering a game. I had my script written to outro the match and then Leith Athletic score a late goal and then ultimately ruined the whole script that I had written. But no, a great game to watch and a great game to cover. Yeah, finally, just one final question before we go. Um, someone wants to know who our teams are. They don't mean which football club we support professionally, but who our youth teams are. Um, Robbie, did you play for a, a boys' club team or a youth team that you hold dear to your heart? I did indeed. The prolific Inverness Street League, as it's oh. known. Uh, I, play, I started at Balone, Balone Fury, which is a pretty interesting name, but Straight away, got out of there and moved to my beloved Ragmore United. Was that for three years? I think that was 
the club I would hold dearest to my heart? Angus? Uh, I started off playing five-a-side uh, as a young boy for Aberlady Football Club, my village. But then I moved to play 11s for Gullen Athletic, three miles away. And uh, that's where I finished my youth footballing career, playing in the Edinburgh League. Fantastic. Great to hear, lads. Um, once again, thank you to Robbie and Angus for joining us for our inaugural episode of the Youth Football Podcast by Youth Football Scotland. Angus, fantastic to have you again. Robbie, don't really need to thank you. You're here every week. You've been told to put up with me. So you you, you just get a cheers, Robbie. Um, but thank you, big thank you to our audience. Hope you enjoyed our very first episode. Don't forget to like, share, subscribe this one and join us again next week, next Wednesday, every Wednesday, for the best youth football podcast around. It's a youth football podcast by YFS. We hope you enjoy. We hope to see you next week.